it's good to be with you all. Um, thank you for that uh, warm welcome. I know, um, obviously, most of you know me, but if, you, if you're not sure who I am, then, uh, yeah, my name is Andy. It actually appears, doesn't it, in the, the Zoom meetings, you can see everybody's name. So uh, I can pick on people if I want to now, but I won't do that, don't worry. So uh, Silas has given me about four hours to speak to you all. So uh, I hope you're sitting comfortably. Uh, <laughs> thank you for, for the readings. I know they were really long, but um, uh, you'll know why in a bit. It's, um, but actually, sometimes it's really good to have chunks of scripture read. Sometimes we just maybe pick a verse or something or our favourite verse. And uh, it is good to hear the word of God being read and shared with each other. Um, but anyway, yeah, my name's Andy. Um, I've been a primary school teacher for many years, uh, also trained with AOG and uh, ministry. Um, we currently, as a family, I've got a lovely wife and four fairly grown-up children. My uh, youngest is in year 10 now, but we, uh, we currently uh, just go to a local uh, um, C of E church just up the road from us. So that's where we've been sort of fellowshipping, but we've been doing it very much the same on YouTube, watching the, the services and things as well. So, but it'll be great once everybody's able to get back together properly and be able to sing properly and worship properly, you know, um, but we don't want to go back to the old ways. We want to do things new and fresh because God is a God of freshness and newness. And I believe that there's going to be new and fresh things that come out of this. Um, what well, has been an awful situation, but uh, God turns things around for good, doesn't he, for his glory. So uh, we can trust him in that. Um, yeah, so uh, I've had the privilege today to, to speak to you. I will be sharing a, a screen in a moment. Hopefully it will all be okay. Um, but I just want to start with a, an irreverent joke. Um, apologies if you heard it before or if you're offended, I apologise now. But um, Jesus said, come forth and you shall receive eternal life. But John came fifth and won a toaster. I apologise if anybody's offended by that, but anyway, you know. <laughs> but as you can see behind me, um, I am a, an England fan. I'm rooting for our boys tonight. Um, it's, uh, it's going to be a major match. There's national pride at stake. Um, but these guys tonight have got a chance to become heroes. Uh, they've got a chance to become heroes. These players now, uh, some of them might be heroes in uh, your eyes already, or it's certainly in younger children that watch them. They look up to them as heroes, don't they? But they've got a chance to show the world and certainly Europe what they can do. And if they win tonight, I'm sure they will go down as national heroes, if not legends, is a word that is used, isn't it? Um, and Gary Lineker said this, I heard this, he said, it's not a team, it's a family. And actually, I think that's a really good picture of the church. We're not a team. Yes, in some ways we do different things, but actually we're a family. And we're a family that experiences all the highs and the lows together. And just like our national football team, They've gone through the lows, highs, but some of the deep lows as well. Uh, and this tonight is the culmination. It could be a, a euphoric high, couldn't it? And I think even if they lose, and I don't think they're going to, even if they do lose, I think this nation has been lifted by what has been going on with uh, the Euros currently. Um, anyway, that's enough of football. All right. I won't say anything more on football to you now. I can see some people are nodding off already. But anyway, thank you so much to uh, Babs and Vic and to, yeah, Vic, wake up, please. And to uh, Emma for uh, reading those scriptures to us. Hebrews 11 is often referred to as the Hebrews of, uh, sorry, the Heroes of Faith chapter in the Bible, isn't it? You know, or another way of putting it is God's Hall of Fame. 
Um, as it says, by faith, Abel offered a sacrifice. By faith, Noah built the ark. By faith, Abraham offered Isaac. By faith, Moses' parents hid him. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea, etc., etc., etc. Now, when we read this chapter in the Bible, it's a list of men and women who were ordinary people just like us. But they did extraordinary things by faith. But actually, we also see that their lives were far from perfect. They made mistakes. They had huge character flaws. We know that Adam sinned. Noah was prone to drink a little bit too much. I hope no one's turned to that during uh, lockdown. Um, we also see that Abraham was a liar about his wife, Sarah. David was an adulterer. I definitely hope no one's turned to that during lockdown. Uh, Rahab was a prostitute. Moses was a murderer. Now, actually, during lockdown, if you've been cooped up, that may have popped into your mind but uh, <laughs> but enough said about that but you can carry on down the list and you see that they weren't perfect human beings at all yet they all experienced success and God in his wisdom chose to use and include them in his hall of fame because they all have one thing in common one word that's come out every time in that chapter and actually came out in the chapter that Emma read as well faith faith now, there is one person in this list who we know very little about, and I want to focus just for a few moments this morning on this person. There's only five references in the whole of Scripture relating to this person. He first appears in Genesis chapter 5, which uh, Emma read to us. Then he pops up in a couple of genealogies, 1 Chronicles 1 and Luke chapter 3. And he's also included in the list in Hebrews 11 and quoted in the book of Jude. I just want to see if I can share my screen. There, has everybody seen that? Give me a thumbs up if you can see my screen yet. Good, right, brilliant. <laughs> it's worked, hey. So this person first appears in Genesis chapter five. Now in this chapter, we've got about 1,500 years of history condensed into 32 verses, which focus on nine men. And we've got a record or a genealogy or a family tree from Adam to Noah. So we've got men like Kenan, Methuselah, who lived the longest life, 969 years. That was seven years more than his grandfather, Jared. Now, you imagine what they saw in their lifetimes astounding wouldn't it 969 years what do you see and how do you manage to walk and live that long it's unbelievable but you know they may not seem very important to us but they are important in the line and the link that stretched back to Adam and then from Adam to Noah and then to the birth of Jesus and you can read that genealogy in Luke chapter 3. So God's promise of a saviour was dependent upon the faith of many ordinary people. Now, some of them are quite unpronounceable names and Emma did really well. I mean, you've got Mahalalel in there and a few others. So I'm really glad you read that and not me. Um, but one thing you've noticed in that list, it's recorded over and over again that these men lived so many years, had a son, a firstborn, then lived so many more years, had other sons and daughters, and then they died. It's kind of a bit of a, a depressing um, 
piece of writing, isn't it? A depressing bit in the Bible. He says, down through the generations, it's the same. Genesis chapter five, as you can see there, is often referred to as God's obituary comment because they lived so many uh, years and then they died. They lived so many more years and then they snuffed it. It's, it's kind of just, it's been like that all the way through that chapter. But, and hopefully you can guess already, there's one exception to this list. There's one man who bucked the trend, so to speak. One man, the seventh generation from Adam, who was blessed with the most incredible distinction. This man didn't experience death like the rest of the others. This man, if I can get it to work, should come up. Sorry, my laptop's gone a bit funny. Here we go, we're back in. <laughs> there we go. This man is Enoch. Enoch, and I've liked him, likened him as, he's called the walker, okay? He didn't experience death like the others. Genesis chapter 5, verses 22-24 say, after Enoch became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. In Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 5, it says, By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. But before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Now imagine that. No grave, no tombstone necessary. He did not taste death at all. What a success story. Now, I kind of like to think that maybe, you know, there was a search party that went out looking for him because it actually states, if you read in the scripture, he could not be found. You know, perhaps a, a missing persons report was filed and then uh, posters were put on the side of camels and donkeys. You know, have you seen this guy last seen walking? That could be the sort of thing that went on, you know, maybe. But but Enoch was no more on the earth because God chose to take him up into heaven. There's a little story uh, of a girl who went home after Sunday school and her mum asked her, what have you been learning today? And she replied, do you know, mummy? We've been learning about a man who used to go for walks with God. His name is Enoch, and he and God used to walk everywhere together. One day, they went on an extra specially long walk, and they walked on, and they walked on, and on and on, until God said to Enoch, you're a very long way from home. It's too far for you to go back now. Come on in and stay at my place. And mummy, guess what? Enoch just walked right on home with God. What a lovely picture, isn't it? You know, an amazing picture of a man just walking with God, walking in God's presence and then being welcomed home with open arms. The only other person to have actually done that is Elijah. But actually, Elijah cheated. He got a lift. If you read about it, he got a lift in a chariot, didn't he? So he didn't actually walk into heaven. He got a lift there, you know. And Elijah, his ascent was witnessed by Elisha, whereas... There is no account anywhere of anybody witnessing Enoch walking into heaven with God. So what's so special about Enoch? Not a lot is mentioned about him except that he walked with God. We don't read that he conquered cities like Joshua. 
uh, or led people of Israel like Moses or, or brought down fire from heaven like Elijah or did any, any great feats or perform miracles or healed the sick like the apostles or died a martyr's death like Stephen. All it appears is Enoch walked with God for 300 years. So why? Why is he included in this list? So I think to answer this, we need to look at the preceding chapters in Genesis. Now, I'm not going to get everybody to read those now. Don't worry. Um, but we'll give you a quick overview. OK, so there's a couple of scriptures there for you about what we just shared. Genesis five and then uh, Hebrews 11. But I want to give a quick overview about the chapters preceding chapter five. OK, so in Genesis chapter two. We have the creation of man. Man was created to enjoy the earth, in particular, the Garden of Eden. And man was created to walk with God. So our creator God would come down into the garden and walk in harmony and relationship with Adam and Eve. So man was created, or mankind, and I'm including women in that, were created to walk with God. So chapter two is the creation of man. Then we have Genesis chapter three. We have the fall of man. So the first game of hide and seek took place. If you read it, you'll find it. OK, God's calling out. Where are you? Adam and Eve are hiding. OK, so Adam and Eve hid themselves when God came and man no longer wanted to walk with God. And as a consequence of sin, man was banished from God's presence and mankind began to then rebel against God. So the relationship is broken between man and God. And this is the fall of man. Then in chapter four, we have the death of man. Okay, the first death, Cain kills Abel. So we now see man becomes a fugitive, a wanderer. Disharmony reigns and man lies and makes excuses for his actions. So man now no longer walks with God and no longer walks with his fellow man. Not only is the relationship between man and God broken, but man's relationship with his fellow man is now broken. We have the first death of man. But then in Genesis chapter five, we see Enoch comes along. And over this period of 1500 years, we meet this man. He comes along at a time when humanity is morally deteriorating. People are increasing and spreading out on the earth, but they no longer believe in or have faith in God. They begin to trust their own ways. But Enoch in this chapter is different. Suddenly in this list of births and deaths, we find a man who submits to God, is a friend of God, and who walks with God once again. And we have the return of man. A bit like a Star Wars, Return of the Jedi, but we've got return of man. Here we go. Enoch is there. So Enoch did like, didn't live like the rest of mankind. He didn't leave the world like the rest of mankind either. So in Hebrews 11.5, we're told that Enoch's walk of faith was pleasing to God. So pleasing that God spared him the experience of death and took him up into heaven. So my question for you this morning, how's your walk? How's your walk of faith? How's your walk 
with God this morning. I just want to pull out three things that I think are quite important from the life of Enoch. That I just want to share with you today. So the first thing we can understand, Enoch had a revelation of God and from God. So Enoch lived in a really bad time. He walked in the midst of a perverse and evil generation, so much so that God chose to wipe out the human race just two generations later with Noah. But God chose to reveal himself to Enoch, who was pleasing to God, as the scripture said, and who had God's approval, it also says. So Enoch could have gone along with and been like everybody else, but he chose to stay faithful to God. He could have walked this way, talked this way, like all the rest, as Run DMC and Aerosmith put it, but he didn't. He chose to stay the course and be steadfast to God. And God even gave Enoch a message to warn the generations. And this prophecy is quoted in the New Testament in Jude, which is why Jude's up there. But it's from or thought to be from the book of Enoch, which is not included in our canon that we recognize as the Bible. However, it is quoted in the book of Jude. OK. And in Jude verse 14, Enoch says. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts they have done in the ungodly way. And of all the harsh words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These men are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. So Enoch warned the generations about what was going to happen. Now, I believe Enoch saw the flood coming. And he saw God's judgment coming on the earth. So Enoch had a revelation of God for himself. But he also had a revelation from God. He had a revelation of God and a revelation of God's power that was to come on the earth. So for us, we have a revelation from God. That's through Jesus. Jesus has been revealed to us through the word and through the power of the Holy Spirit within us. 1 Corinthians 2.10 says, God has revealed it to us by his spirit. So we have a choice to act upon that revelation. We have a choice to put our faith and trust in Jesus. That moment we accepted Christ as our savior was a revelation moment. And Enoch chose to walk with God. Enoch chose to put his faith in God. Enoch chose to remain steadfast in God. We, each of us, have a choice to put our faith in Jesus and a choice to remain steadfast in him. We have a revelation of God through Jesus to us. But we also have a choice to reveal Jesus to others. So we have a revelation of God to us, but we can reveal Jesus to others. See, Jesus is going to come again to judge the earth once more. We know that. And we're definitely, definitely living in the last days. The world is changing. The earth is groaning. Moral standards, again, are decreasing. Society is being flooded by tidal waves of evil. Voices are getting louder. Just like the age of Enoch, 
People will accept anything, but are actually often ignorant to God. So it's now more than ever, we have the message of salvation. We have the truth that has been revealed to us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We know John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. John 14.6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We have a revelation of Jesus that we should be sharing with others in this hurting world, especially at this time, you know, especially during this pandemic we can reveal Jesus to others we can reveal the hope that we have not beating people over the head with a bible but born out of relationship friendship trust and the holy spirit's leading and you know just as god walks with us we should be walking with others in the same way second thing that comes out of this enoch had a relationship with God. So Enoch didn't walk against God, didn't walk behind God, didn't walk in front of God, but it says he walked with God. Now, actually, when you think of someone walking with someone, you're usually walking side by side, aren't you? You're usually walking together. Amos 3 verse 3 says, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? Now, I like to think that there was a picture of, you know, Enoch and God just walking together, nodding and agreeing about things, discussing stuff together. You know, it's an amazing picture that we see, you know, just that relationship of walking with God, staying faithful, staying steadfast. So if you think about it, God originally wanted to walk with us. But through sin, we messed up that agreement. But we know through Jesus Christ, a way was made once more for our walk continuing him see Enoch's walk wasn't a run a jump a leap or a sprint but it was a steady and continued constant agreement Enoch's heart was in harmony with God's will almost you know as if they were beating together taking steps together Enoch trusted and believed in God implicitly and his faith wasn't based on feelings so no matter how he felt or what he saw was happening around him Enoch continued to keep in step and in faith with God. He didn't let his feelings dictate his mood or his allegiance to Jesus, to God. Enoch also knew what was God wanted of him. God wanted him to walk with him in all his ways. So Enoch shows us that a person can still live in hard times, in rough surroundings, in challenging situations, and still keep faith and his relationship with God true. You see, for us, we need to constantly work on our relationship with God, don't we? He never changes towards us, but we can neglect our walk with him. You know, if we're honest, sometimes we don't read our Bible. Sometimes we don't speak to God when we should or as much as we should. It's one of those things that happens. It's a constant need for us to work on our relationship with God. But we know that God never changes towards us. And he's always there with his arms open wide towards us, isn't he? So if we have to have the kind of faith that, that Enoch had, then we need to constantly keep our hearts in love with Jesus. See, our relationship with him is a daily process. 
we need to walk and talk with Jesus through prayer. Now, some of you may know this person, but F.F. Bosworth was a Pentecostal evangelist. And you may have heard this quote. He said, most Christians feed their body three good meals a day and their spirit one cold snack per week. And then they wonder why they're so weak in the faith. You see, our walking relationship with God is not just a Sunday fix. It's not just a Sunday fix that builds our faith, but it's a consistent daily walk that we need to have. Yes, Sundays getting together is fantastic, but we should be feeding our minds on the word and the things of God throughout the week. Philippians 4.8 says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So we need to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us shape our lives and direct our paths as we walk in life in a relationship with Jesus. Romans chapter 7 and 8 talk about the constant battle, because it is a battle, that we have against sin in order to maintain our walk with Jesus. You see, to maintain any relationship, we've got to work at it. Any marriage, you have to work at it. Any relationship, boyfriend, girlfriend, you've got to work at it. Every challenge we overcome increases our faith becomes part of our testimony. Yet, sometimes we do still mess up. But Romans 8.1 states that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit has set me free from the law of sin and death. It's important as well that we come together as the church family. So like you're doing today, not neglecting meeting together. As the scripture says, do not give up meeting together as some in the habit of doing, but let us encourage each other daily. It's not a one-off thing. It's a complete way of life. Romans 1.12 says, your faith will encourage my faith. So it was great to hear those testimonies earlier because that's testimonies of faith. It encourages us when we hear things that have happened Stories that help us in our faith, build us up inside. So Enoch had a revelation of God and from God. He had a relationship with God. And finally, Enoch had a destination in God. The name Enoch means consecrated or dedicated. Also, it can mean set apart. So Enoch was set apart in the world because he lived a life pleasing to God. God showed Enoch his approval because he lived a life of faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. George Michael once said, you've got to have faith. Okay, we need to have faith in order to please God. We need to have faith in order to overcome circumstances that we might find ourselves in. Enoch knew the answer to evil around him and stepped out in his purpose for God because he knew his destination was heaven. He knew his destination was heaven bound. That's success. That's being approved by the master. You see, each of us, we are set apart and destined for great things in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you 
You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. You may declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. See, God has called each of us and we each have a destiny that is certain. That's through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We know we're bound for glory. We're bound for heaven. Maybe we might walk into heaven just like Enoch did. Or maybe we'll experience death, but then we'll be raised again on the final day to meet with Jesus. But we're also compelled to use our time on earth here wisely, to walk in God's ways and to fulfill God's purpose for each one of us. You see, Enoch's purpose was to declare to the generations to come what was going to happen. He brought that prophecy. And actually, that prophecy is still relevant today because God is coming back through Jesus to judge the earth once again. So we need to be a people prepared. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. So this doesn't mean that we just sit around and wait for God to do the stuff. We need to have willing hearts that step out and begin to explore what it is that God wants of us. We need to start doing things, meeting needs around us, getting involved. For this is God's will and pleasure for us. We need to start telling other people who Jesus is and what he has done for us. We need to start using our gifts in the church, using our gifts to spur one another on. In 2 Timothy 1, Paul said of Timothy, I have been reminded of your sincere faith. So I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love and of self-discipline. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we live by faith, not by sight. So we make it our goal to please him. So little by little, we can move forward with God and fulfill our purposes as him. You know, you can't you can't climb a ladder by starting on the top rung. You have to start at the bottom and work your way up, don't you? You know, God has got a purpose for each one of us and we need to start stepping out in faith. Begin to explore what God has destined for each one of us to do. That might mean we take that first step on that ladder. And then God might say, actually, you're doing well at this. Come higher. Come a bit higher. I'm going to reveal more to you. Come a bit higher. Come a bit higher. And gradually we'll work our way up that ladder by faith and begin to do what God has called each and every one of us to do. So we don't walk behind the will of God. We don't try to walk ahead of the will of God. But we walk with God and seek to be pleasing to him, just as Enoch was. And then, then we'll hear those powerful words, well done, good and faithful servant. See, Enoch had a successful life, a life of faith. And actually, 
It can be summed up, I believe, in this verse, Micah 5, 8. He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. So I ask you the question once again. How's your walk? How's your walk of faith? Maybe your walk has slightly wavered recently. Maybe you feel you've gone off track. Especially we understand during this testing time we've experienced. But actually, we know we don't need to fear because Jesus is right here, always waiting with his arms open to welcome us back. You see, from the very beginning, God created man for the enjoyment of a walking relationship. A relationship that involves companionship, dialogue, intimacy, joint decision making, mutual delight and shared dominion. God longs to walk with you. And even though we've walked through a difficult 18 months or so in this world, we know that we're not alone. And we know that his arms of grace have been pulling us closer to him.